Yo, what's up? This is Freddie Adu. I want to give a shout out to Adam and Zach from Denver. Uh, they host a uh, EPO podcast called The False Nines. Check them out and, uh, you know, show them some love, man. Peace out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The False Nines. This is the 36th episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack, alongside my friend, Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you doing today? Footy, Zach. R.I.P. to a legend, Mr. Kobe Bryant. Basketball. Yes, R.I.P. to a legend indeed. Really a, a legend for, for the sports world as a whole, obviously. Uh, as everyone knows at this point, Kobe Bryant tragically passing away in a helicopter accident on Sunday along with his daughter and I think it was eight other passengers. So, um, yeah, thoughts and prayers to the families of everyone involved in that. And we'll actually talk about that a bit later, the legacy that Kobe Bryant has in actually football, as, as he was quite a big fan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but before that, uh, we are now 24 games through the Premier League season, and for the first time in about two months, every team has played the same amount of games. That's so it's right. 24 through Liverpool is doing what Liverpool has done since the first week. Uh, coming, coming off a 2-0 win against West Ham today, and that was what evened the numbers. Uh, but before we talk about that, we'll uh, just kind of recap in the agenda. I'd be going through table top to bottom as we normally do, uh, looking at predictions, looking at uh, the transfers that have happened throughout January so far. And then, of course, your microphone moment, armchair pundits and 10 in 90. Well, we have a little poetry this week, Zach, as well. Oh, we, we might. We, we will might. see. Yeah. You heard something for us? I, I could pop up with my scrolling quill at some point there during the, the podcast. The ladies deserve it, Zach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. Um, but yeah, so so to start that off, we can start right with Liverpool. And Adam, I, I just mentioned this to you before we started, but I feel as though Liverpool is honestly the team we might have the least to say about at this moment in time. Yeah, there's not really a whole lot to say about Liverpool other than they continue to win. 70 points, and we're not even two-thirds of the way through the season. 7-0. Are you kidding me? They're just on, on fire right now. I mean, at that pace, they're going to smash the record points total. Um, other things I'd add for them right now, Firmino and Salah are stepping it up in Mane's absence. He's out injured. Um, they don't care about the FA Cup. Um, they mailed it in, played the reserves against Shrewsbury. Credit to Shrewsbury. They came back and yeah. 2-0 down, uh, grabbed a draw there, and are going taking it back to Anfield. They got a nice payday for that. Um, but, you know, they really weren't taking it that seriously. So Yeah, and uh, the the, uh, the Mane injury is, is the exact reason for that. You don't want an injury to any key player, although, you know, Liverpool was never going to play their first team in that match to begin with. But, yeah, uh, yeah again, it's like clockwork on Merseyside right now. Just keep ticking and ticking and ticking, walking their way to a title that should be in their hands within probably the next two months, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting stat I read today, 19 points clear right now. Uh, Liverpool are the record for um, in terms of winning the league is mm-hmm. actually 19 points also from first to second at the end of a season. So interesting. If they maintain or better that they will either tie or beat the record. 
Yeah, which you'd have to think on, on this year's evidence, they will do. <laughs> yeah, they're playing pretty well right now. <laughs> they're playing pretty well. Uh, so yeah, Liverpool coasting at the moment. City back up to second after Leicester held that on, held on to that for, for a few weeks. Uh, City in their last match, it, it was a tough one against Sheffield United. Sheffield doing what they've done against so many teams this year, frustrating them with structure and organization. Um, but again, City able to get that win that they haven't lost in a month's time. And Aguero back on the score sheets he's creeping up to where Vardy is for that golden boot race he is yeah six goals in three games in the league now for Aguero since coming back from injury he's looking really really good um, interesting game today um, Man City lost at home to Man United in the league cup but they still progressed uh, 3-2 on aggregate okay um, was a pretty um, interest, interesting game in that Matic actually scored the winning goal and then proceeded to be sent off first time that's happened in a Manchester derby since Ooh. um uh, like 2014 it was Wayne Rooney actually oh so it was quite recent I was going to say yeah uh, and last sending off was actually in a Manchester Derby was actually Marwan Fellaini friend of the pod oh friend of the pod long time friend of the pod yep. uh, deep cut so yeah City uh, again similar to Liverpool with the FA Cup City doesn't care at all about the League Cup um, nobody really cares too much about the League Cup I would, I would think but no, not a huge amount but City versus Villa in the final Villa who knocked off the team in third place we'll get into now Leicester City. Um, Leicester, a little bit off form, I would say, right now. Would you say that's fair? I think that is fair. Um, that being said, their last game, they they really just kind of walked to a 4-1 home win against West Ham. Uh, Iozzi scoring two. That was cool to see. Didn't know that he's the backup penalty taker after Vardy. I, I was surprised to see him step up for the penalty um, when they got it. But Iozzi scored his first two goals at home for Leicester City since his transfer in the summer from our beloved Newcastle. So good to see him have a good run of form out there. But Leicester City's fixture list coming up is stuff of nightmares. Yeah, Chelsea, Wolves, and Man City are their next three league games. That Man City one will be a true second-place six-pointer there. So if they're not out of the um, out of the running after they play Chelsea and Wolves, that is. What is your... What's your expectation for points that Leicester gets from those three matches? It's tough. So three points behind City right now, so they really need to win that game. Really need to win the Chelsea. Chelsea games first, correct? Yes. Yes. I think they'd be happy with five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Not losing any of those? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Happy with five if they could win two and lose one and get six, even better. Um, I think they need to avoid defeat against Wolves. I think that's a really key one for them. I think Chelsea and Man City, I think that top four is still pretty secure right now. Mm -hmm. If they can avoid defeat against Wolves and not have them claw back points on them in terms of the race for the top four, very, very helpful. So I'll say five points. Yeah, and that would be a very good return. I mean, Leicester still 14 points ahead of Manchester United, who's in fifth. So they do have a bit of a, a cushion uh, to, like you said, stay in the top four, which is, that's really the goal is staying in the top four. Although yeah. top three is even more important because you do get an advanced place in the Champions League. That's right. Not having a, to play the play-in. That top four would be a great season for Leicester. Absolutely. No, nobody was really necessarily picking them for top four this year. A lot of people thought that, you know, Man United and Spurs would have better years after last year. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there you go. Top four, I think, would be great for them. And speaking of top four, the final team in the top four, fourth place currently is Chelsea. Um, so Chelsea, a little bit questionable form recently, I'd say. Uh, they went to Arsenal in 1-2-1, but this past weekend, couldn't beat 10-man Arsenal after our friend David Luiz was sent off against his old club. In fact, two sending offs in his career. One was for Chelsea against Arsenal. The second 
Arsenal against Chelsea this past weekend. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good statistic there. Uh, yeah, it, it was definitely not what Chelsea would have, you know, Chelsea had to have been disappointed with that, uh, especially as, you know, they were up 10 men for a good portion of that match and unable to hold a lead twice. It was actually N'Golo Conte, of all people, who slipped to let uh, Gabriel Martinelli, the teenager, in for what was a really, really nice solo run, obviously heavily aided by Conte going down, but a great finish by Martinelli. Uh, you might but, say, Zach, that we went from Slippy G to Slippy NG. Ooh, you, you've been waiting to use that all I've week, been, haven't I've, you? I've been, I've been spending a lot of time preparing for this podcast. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. That's cheeky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I'd say that... What, like. It just speaks to how good N'Golo Conte is that it's one of the only mistakes you can ever remember him making. <laughs> Very uncharacteristic. I'm not worried about it happening again. Just obviously unfortunate mm. for him. So. Yeah, but but nonetheless, Chelsea getting a point from that. So obviously important to, to continue on this point-grabbing run that they've been on uh, after uh, since the loss against Newcastle. But yeah, they're going to try to hold that place in the top four. They're only up uh, six points on Man United, so uh, they play again at some point later this season, and that will obviously be a six-pointer. Yeah, for sure. Okay, on to fifth. Um, barking at the uh, at the door. Nipping the at four. the heels. Nipping at the heels of Chelsea. Not really. Still quite a few points behind, in truth. Manchester United, um, still in fifth. Not, not a fantastic season for United, but they're not out of it yet. Um, I think a big loss for them is the Marcus Rashford injury that yeah, recently happened that's huge. out until early March. Um, I think that'll be a struggle for them. However, um, they did have their largest competitive win since Alex Ferguson days with a 6-0 win at Tranmere in the FA Cup. Yes, it's only Tranmere, but it was it was quite the response. And, you know, for the, for the fact that they, they won today as well at Men City, and Men City played a full-strength side in the, in the League Cup, so they advanced, of course. Two pretty good results in a row, away games, 7-0 on aggregate um, against two obviously very different teams, but that kind of leads me into my question, I would say, how secure would you feel as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer right now? There's a lot of calls for him to be gone. Um, do you feel like that's fair? It's it's such a bizarre season for Manchester United, and I think that you're right. I think that those two last wins against Tranmere and Manchester City um, should be able to build a little bit of momentum, but it's it's really that's really where it comes down to the manager and what he can do with results like that in terms of locker room talks and um, getting kind of the spirit and confidence of the players up. In my opinion, he should not be safe. Like I don't think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is good enough to be the manager of Manchester United on any day, mm-hmm. even after a victory. I still don't feel that way. But at the moment, like there's not a better option for them. Firing him would not be a good, like it wouldn't benefit them to do that at this point in the season, I don't think. And so, yeah, I think he should feel quite safe, but I think in the summer they should really be looking to improve on that. Yeah, you bring up some good points. I actually was listening to another podcast. Have you ever listened to the two Robbies? Or Robbie mm-hmm. Musto, yeah, Robbie Robbie, yeah, Robbie Earl. Yeah, so they were, they were chatting about just this topic and they made a couple of really, really good points. So we're going to steal those from them. Um, the first point that they made is there was really no investment in the summer. They let a lot of their best players go. Like Lukaku was out going to Inter, never replaced him, relying on youth and youngsters to kind of come in. Same thing for Alexis Sanchez. He, he was gone as well. So they've, they've really not invested. Um, they've spent a little bit of money today, and we'll get to that in a second, but they've not invested wholly there. And I think, you know, when, when you think about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it was a very emotional appointment, right? In that 
if you if you kind of put him up there on a pedestal and said this is the this is the manager that we'd be considering for all of the Premier League jobs, would he be able to get any other job other than the Manchester United job? Because he was at Cardiff before and he did, he Ooh, made kind of a mess of that. That that's an interesting way of putting it. You're right. Like he he had a better shot at getting a Man United job than he would with like a bottom three team. Like a Watford or not? Yeah, team. absolutely. No, it, it, because it was an emotional appointment. Yeah. Um, I think I I think that's a really really good point, uh, and that's why he should feel safe. Is the emotions still exist in some capacity, and he's doing a, like. St- Looking at the table, he's doing a fine enough job mm-hmm. to warrant not being fired right now. That being said, I, he's living on borrowed time, in my opinion. I think so. And then you see, obviously, in the press today that there's people making death threats against Ed Woodward. Um, it's bad. It's a vile bad. atmosphere at Man United right now. shows you, though, that they're probably not blaming Ole as much as they are Woodward, right? That's a good point. He, he's a symptom. He's not the disease. Yeah. Um, so some good points there. Um, the last thing I would say is a um, couple of... Transfers in the past few weeks here. Ashley Young has gone club out, club legend club legend at Aston Villa and Manchester United. Manchester United out to Inter Milan for 1.3 million British pounds. And then Bruno Fernandez, big money signing. Jesse Lingard, farewell, my son. It's been talked Bruno's about. In. It's been talked about for a while. This transfer and Man United splashing that cash. It's reported to be approximately 55 million euros for the Portuguese midfielder. Where does he fit in is the biggest question everyone's having. They have such a plethora of midfielders to begin with. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if you're spending that money on a player, you'd assume he's going to get some some good playing time right out of the gates. Uh, Manchester United, you know, they're... They're still are, are they're still competing in Europa at the moment. Yes. Okay. So maybe you know maybe it's kind of an appointment mm-hmm. or a, a purchase for partially that thinking. But I'm excited to see him in the prom. I am as well, and I'd say this: he's the first big Solskjaer signing. So Solskjaer mm. will be judged on these. Right? Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so from from Man United to Spurs and Six, another team that's been very active both ways in the in the January transfer window. Um, Spurs. Really, really hanging on to a threat at the moment. Uh, they cannot score without Harry Kane. Uh, they've scored two in four matches in the league since he went out with uh, what looks like to be a two- or three-month injury. Um, and, man, it's it's been tough for them. They're just really just kind of you know scrapping out whatever they can get at the moment. Yeah, I think Harry Kane would be a loss for any side yeah, in the world. Absolutely. Right? He's a fantastic striker, but... Well, they got a win last time out against Norwich. It was a pretty close fought win, so hopefully that gives them some confidence. But their fixture list, um, just just like Leicester's, doesn't get any easier. So the next four games, they play City, Villa, Chelsea, and Wolves. Villa are actually picking up in form right now as well, and obviously some top six teams up there as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Spurs on any day should beat Villa and, and probably will. But yeah, those other three uh, are, are very tough. Match. It's the same combination of teams that Leicester has to play. So uh, very, very difficult matches. How many points do you think they get from those four matches? From those four games? All right, I'm going to be harsh here. I think they get three points from Okay, I think they get four. So I, I feel you. I, I would assume we're, we're both thinking they beat Villa. Um, and then, yeah, three straight lo- three losses in the other four. I think they could, I think they could get a draw against Chelsea. Yeah, that's possible. Chelsea yeah. are in fantastic form. No, they they kind of ebb and flow. I think they lose to City and Wolves, though. I see what Wolves as a wolf would do sees the vulnerable prey and attacks. Very nice. I like the analogies. Very much accurate. Yeah. Um, all right, so the transfer activity for for Spurs. <laughs> This one's a little bit lopsided, huh? Christine Eriksen outgoing from Spurs to Inter for 17 million British pounds. 
And then they finally signed on a permanent transfer, Lo Celso, for $30 million. You know, mm-hmm. Lo Celso, I'll actually say, has actually been improving. Yeah, oh, little, absolutely. A little bit recently. Well, he's an investment for the future. But he's not twice as good as Ericsson. Well, yeah, but the Ericsson price, as we've talked about, is just... The, the price almost means nothing at this point because of everything that's happened since the summer when... You know, you could have sold him. He wanted to go. His value couldn't have been higher. It was. Around, I remember at one point people were saying it was going to be around 110 yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, and then everything has gone wrong for Daniel Levy there. So and yeah, he went for less than half of Joe Linton. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, Ericsson to Inter. Inter continuing this Premier League shopping spree. They've been on for the better part of 12 months. Uh, besides that, they took Spurs taking Getson Fernandez from Benfica on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another player to, to kind of look for for depth, I would say, mm-hmm. in that side. Uh, another one for, for the future, Steven, how do you pronounce his last name? Bergwijn? Bergwijn. Bergwijn. Yeah. So PSV player, a Dutchman? Yes, he is. All Dutch right. international. There it is. So $25 million great British pounds for that. Uh, and then Danny Rose to Newcastle. This happened just a few hours before we were recording the loan finalized Great move for Newcastle, yeah, uh, and good move for Spurs too. He he was pretty clearly done at at that club. Yeah, he's got a year and a half left on his contract. He wants to be in the England squad for the Euros. Needs to be playing in order for that to happen. He's obviously not in favor with Mourinho. Yeah, I think it checks all the boxes for everybody. They got a two million transfer fee actually they did. through the end of the season. Um, Spurs did from Newcastle. So I think you know, with with the fact that we have Dummett out, with the fact that we might be considering Willem, out Willems, as well, yeah, um, and he's out for the rest of the season. He's actually returned back to um, um, to his parent club. So I think I think it's a great transfer all around. It's a win win. Yeah, that's what I like to see. So yeah, Spurs trying to kind of put together the pieces at the moment. Uh, a team that is really like operating at a very high level and is also a team that you're seeing very little change in uh, from week to week is Wolves, who are sitting in seventh. My prediction was almost correct that they would take points off Liverpool there. Almost correct. Five minutes away from it. That's right. But Bobby Firmino popped up again. Yeah. As he always does recently. So uh, I'd say they played really well in that game. They had chances to win it too. Um, Adama Traore played well in that game. Klopp, after the game, referred to him as unplayable, quote unquote. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if we actually see him going that way in the summer. If Liverpool are in the market for an attacking player like Traore... Uh, I could possibly see him go to Liverpool in the summer. That'd be interesting. I mean, I think after the season he's having, he would want to be guaranteed a, a place in the first team on the starting 11. So I think Liverpool would be a tough sell. But uh, he's talked about going back to Spain pretty extensively. Mm. Could see that happening. I, I mean, I think for Liverpool, it would take them selling one of their, their wingers to be picking him up. I don't know that I agree with you there. I think um, he would actually choose Champions League team over starting 11 guaranteed spots. Yeah, yeah, he's already got guaranteed spots starting 11 spot at Wolves, right? And a mm-hmm. team that's pushing for Europa. But I think he'll want to make the step up to the Champions League. That's a, that's a fair point. I think it's it's really, it comes down to things that we do not have access to, which is what, what his goal is right now as an individual player. It's true. He's a friend of the pub, but we, we haven't quite had that conversation we haven't, with him yet. Yes, we have not connected with him on that level. So, so uh, again, Wolves playing quite well. Hard done to not get a point against Liverpool, uh, but I, I think they'll you know, I think they'll comfortably finish in the in the top six or seven. Obviously, will aim for the top six, which typically guarantees Europa League. Yeah, they're playing well right now. Um, I would say yeah, of all of all their players right now, um, I, I would think Emma Traoré is probably close to the top of that list, and then their center forward as well. Um, is, is Jimenez is playing. Yeah. His header, that counterattack in the header against Liverpool was great header. Gorgeous, yeah. yeah. Almost as beautiful as Jordan Henderson's. 
That's true. Yeah. I wasn't nice. Well, that was, that was all on the cross, really, I would say. Yeah. It was mainly on you the cross. You are a big Jordan Henderson. I do like Jordan Henderson in front of the pod. Uh, so, yeah, uh, on from Wolves, we have Sheffield United still sitting in the top half. They're in eighth. Uh, only five points from 18 uh, for Sheffield United in their last six matches. That being said, hard, hard front of fixtures. Yep, exactly. City home and away in those six matches. They also played Liverpool and Arsenal in that run. So, uh, And they gave a good account of themselves in all of them. I don't think they were like blown away by any of those teams per se. Uh, and they have an easy run of games coming up. So I'm actually feeling good that they might make a little bit of run higher on the table towards those Europa spots in the second half of the uh, of the season. Yeah, they're the Wolves of this year, except they play nothing like the Wolves of last year. That is absolutely true. No <laughs> overlapping center backs at Wolves. <laughs> no, not not yet. Not I could yet. I could see Nuno pulling some 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 trickery like that. He, he'd forward. be one of the more likely managers to do that if, if we can list them all out, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, the hopeful, a hopeful future friend of the pod. We we can't claim that Nuno is a friend of the pod yet. Not yet. But one but, day. Yeah, one day it could, could happen for you, Nuno. That's but, why we do what we do. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, speaking of why we do what we do, we do what we do to watch teams like Southampton in the form oh, that they're in right now. I was now. interested to see where that went. <laughs> that one out pretty well. That, right. was, that was good. Yeah, well done. Southampton playing really well right now. Oh, Two yeah. great goals against Palace. Um, left footer from Nathan Redmond in the yeah, top corner. Yeah, that was a really nice goal. Um, and it's Stuart Armstrong, the Scotsman. Yeah. That's his countryman. After, yeah, after scoring a few goals earlier this season, he kind of went silent. But, yeah, back with, back with a, a tally on the score sheet. Looking pretty good. Um, I, I pulled a really interesting stat here that I thought would... would, would yeah, this is incredible. Uh, on home form, Southampton are bottom of the table in the Premier League this season. On away form, they are fifth in the league. I... It's tough for me to remember a team that has performed so so lopsidedly and in the way that you would not expect. Even more crazy is we actually beat them at home, Zach. Oh, that's They're right. Fifth in the league and they lost to Newcastle. Imagine if they beat our shower of shit. Wow. They'd be even higher. That's that's we beat them at we were at home or they were at no, home? No, we beat them at St. James. Okay. Yeah. So that was one of their few away losses. Exactly. Ah. Exactly. Interesting. Well, it's credit to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so so since losing to Newcastle and then West Ham as well in early December, Southampton have taken 16 points of 21. That is a fantastic return. Amazing. And the only loss being against Wolves, who uh, they uh, really kind of blew that game. Uh, Southampton was up 2-0, so mm-hmm. could have taken three points. But yeah, they are exceeding any sort of expectation. I think everyone had them marked as a relegation contender. Just goes to show, sometimes firing your coach isn't always the best yeah. strategy. Hassan Hoodle, there was a lot of calls for his head early in the season, and he's, mm-hmm. he's found a way to win. You got to eat your heart out there, Adam. You were one of the people calling for that head. I was. Um, I, I thought he was a goner. So I'll, I'll definitely you know, eat some humble pie there. So. And so to wrap up the the top half of the table, from goners to gooners, we have Ooh. Arsenal sitting in death. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's two wins for Arsenal in the last three months, which is pretty remarkable. Two wins in the league. But that being said, they're they're scraping out points, so that's kind of what it takes right now. And as we've talked about so many times, it's, it's a free season at this moment for Arsenal. Honestly, hot take for you, Adam. 
it would be kind of nice to be an Arsenal fan right now in the sense that there's no real pressure on the team. Like you, you're, it, and, and what I mean this is, you know, if you're the type of fan who wants to see success and, and winning right this moment, yeah, it'd be frustrating. They're not doing that. But if you're, you know, kind of a, a more a deeper fan who's looking for what's the future of the club, like the five-year plan type fan, yeah. it's a good time to be that type of fan because you're able to assess the youth. You're able to assess, you know, who's going to be in that starting lineup next year. There's not a ton of pressure on the Arsenal team at the moment. I can see that standpoint, but I can also see the blood standpoint of where they basically want immediate success. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It depends which side of the yeah. aisle you're on. Venger out, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I agree. I, I think it's a rebuilding phase. If you're a real true Arsenal fan, you can probably wrap your head around that and, and kind of get with that one. Um, but difficult times. You know, they're, they're not playing that well. That said, they do have Burnley up next. Um, they've beaten them. Crazy status one. Ten times in a row in all competitions. That's wild. In Burnley. Yeah, not even a draw. That's I wild. Mean, especially going to Turf Moor. It's not an easy place to go. So, like, to have ten wins in a row, they're probably feeling pretty good about uh, playing them next. And then uh, a little loan they brought in. Defender. Obviously, they need it because David Luiz is terrible. Pablo Marie has come in from Flamengo. I know nothing about him, Zach. No, I'm excited to see him on the pitch because I, too, know nothing about him. Can't be worse than David Luiz right now. <laughs> that is simply an objective fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that does it for the top half of the table. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back to wrap up the second half of the Premier League table. All right, welcome back. We're going to run down the bottom half of the table, starting here uh, on the False Nines with 11th place Crystal Palace. A pretty tough 2-0 loss at home, unexpected, some might say, against Southampton. I thought they would do a little bit better there. Um, And then four home losses and four away losses for Palace this season. They're pretty hard to predict, so maybe maybe that's a good reason as to why that happened. Yeah, fair enough. They have been a, yeah, kind of just a... I don't know, a difficult team to really identify. They, they haven't really had an identity this year. That's a big part of you know why they've kind of just middled around. Uh, but I thought Cheng Tosin was a good loan for them. It was a loan or permanent deal from... Loan or Yeah, it was a loan. Two goals uh, since moving over from Everton for Palace. Uh, and yeah, one more, as you noted, than he scored uh, in the entire first half of the season. For Everton, so kind of your classic January move of a player who wants more playing time. Yeah, you mentioned identity. I think their identity is firmly a mid-table team this mm-hmm. season. Okay, on to twelfth. Let's talk about Everton a little bit here. Um, a few talking points for this one. Their last game. Whew, this was a fun one. Two 0 up against Newcastle at home. Ninety-third, three minutes on the clock. And Newcastle grab a point. Unbelievable. Couldn't happen to a nicer goalkeeper than Mr. Jordan Pickford with his tiny arms. And the the funny part is, like, we always do joke about the tiny arms, but the the second goal, the goal that gave Newcastle the draw, was fully due to how small his arms are. (laughs) Like, it was actually astonishing to me that that actually came to fruition, where it was basically, if you haven't seen it, scramble in the box, a Newcastle player took a shot that hit the post and bounced right back out and Pickford was was very off balance kind of dove into the goal to, to try to block a shot that was actually blocked by a defender but then jumped up and instead of jumping forward out of the goal stood his ground about two feet inside the net and <laughs> after a uh, the ball came out to Florian Lejeune of all people kicks it in Pickford pushes it out of the goal but because of his tiny arms and his foot positioning Ball across the line. Isn't it so. just so poetic that he? I mean, he's clearly aware of those chants and those songs. That, oh yeah. That especially the Newcastle fans sing about him. Um, 
to have that be the way that the goal went down to cost them the three points at the end of the game. It's perfect. That was just beautiful as a Newcastle fan. You couldn't enjoy that more unless it was like for the three points. Yeah, it, it was poetry. Um, but Everton, they, they've been they've been very good since Angelotti took over. It's 11 points from 18. Uh, Moise Keane getting his first Everton goal against Newcastle. So good to see him get off the bump. Uh, and then 10 for Calvert-Lewin this season. It's, yeah, double I've, digits already. That's I've been crazy. impressed. I, I think he has to be looked at as a contender for some time for England in the in Euros, just yeah. based on how many injuries they've had and the fact that Jamie Vardy doesn't play international anymore. And I would say that he's probably going to be in the conversation for a young player this season as well. Yeah, he yeah. has been He's been really, really good. And they're number nine as well. We gave him a hard time earlier on this year about being Everton's number nine, but he's, he's fully justified that, so credit to him. Uh, one topic of conversation that came up today that we've been chatting about a little bit here um, before the pod was really about Richarlison. Uh, Richarlison, a bid came in from Barcelona for 85 million British pounds today that was rebuffed by Everton. So, what are your thoughts on that bid and Everton's subsequent decision to turn it down? So, so I think I think that Everton should have accepted the bid and sold for Charleston. And the reason for that is not the fact that it has nothing to do really with Richarlison himself. I mean, his value to that Everton team uh, is, is very clear at the, at the moment. He is one of the most important players on that team. I just think Everton is a team in the middle of the table. They're not going to win anything this year. They're, you know, they haven't won anything in a long, long period of time. It hasn't really been a contender for any sort of trophies or Europe spots. I think, you know, to turn away 85 million pounds, like what you could do with that type of money to really, really improve your team as a whole, I don't think can be understated. Yes, it would really throw the rest of your season into a bit of chaos. So maybe the argument is if you're going to do that, do it in the summer. But I don't know. I think you grab the hand and shake it there. Um, I couldn't disagree with you more on this one, Zach. So here's my perspective. Ken Wright has halfway through the season fired Marco Silva, and justifiably so. They were doing really poorly in the league. You've had Marco Silva. You've had Sam Allardyce. You've had David Moyes. You've had all these kind of middle-of-the-range managers, nobody too special, and all of a sudden, you put your money in your wallet and you stump up for a manager like Carlo Ancelotti. And he comes into a team like Everton, and the first message that you're gonna send as Ken Wright is that you're gonna accept 85 million for your best player. Nah, no Would way. you say he's, he's the best player? He's hands down the best player at Everton team. Okay. He's 22 years old. I literally said the other day that they could build a Brazil team around him. He's that good. Um, I think that Richarlison is somebody that, if you were Ancelotti coming in, month after coming in as the new manager, and you were told that you were selling that player, I think Ancelotti potentially could walk. That's a good point. The The new manager aspect, I didn't really take that into account. So, yeah, that's yeah. fair. I, I can understand where you're coming from there. Build it around him, and I will say for Ken Wright, you know, in the last couple of years, he's put his hand in his pocket for new players as well. You look at the players that they've brought in. They've signed a lot of expensive players at Everton. Granted, they probably haven't spent that money in the best way, but I do feel as though he's going to continue to invest and put money behind Ancelotti because they could easily break into top six this season. Next season? This season. With how close the league is right now? Yeah. Look at the league table right now. We're on the same number of points as, as Everton right now on 30 points. And then looking up at the top six, we're four, four points, points up. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, you may have convinced me there. That's right. it's, rare that, it's rare that I convince you, so I like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. Well done. Uh, all right. So from Everton to Burnley, uh, a team that really coming off a massive, massive win away at Manchester United, two no win. Um, the you know they they just they just stuck to the game plan there. You know they that that was really what it was. They went away from home. And they knew what they needed to do. Um, Chris Wood with the first goal, but Jay Rodriguez that was a cracker. Two that great, two great finishes. Two great finishes, but that one was. Miles and miles above, you know that that was a clear goal of the week right there. Rodriguez taking taking a shot from a really really acute angle in the corner of the box and putting a bar down front post on De Gea. De Gea, I think, was just shocked that he was shooting there. It was Rafa Benitez tactics, right? I mean, they kind of absorbed the pressure and they played well on the counter attack and took their chances really really well. Um, you made a case for Rodriguez there. I'm actually going to go ahead and give Chris Wood. Adam's what? stamp of approval wow. this week. Okay. I think he's really stepped up since actually Barnes has been out. Rodriguez has come in and obviously scored against Man U, but Wood's been consistently scoring recently. I think he's been playing really, really well. Both took their chances excellently, um, and I think Chris Wood is more known as a header of the ball than he is for a crisp finisher like yeah, he was when he took his goal against Man U. So, been really impressed. Chris Wood, friend of the pod, thank you for your contribution to beating Manchester United. Our first Kiwi friend of the pod as well, Chris Wood. He might vote me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good good result for Burnley uh, to keep them, you know, pretty much where they belong in 13th. That sounds about <laughs> right for Burnley. Um, all right, on to Newcastle. Lot, There's a lot to talk about. A lot there. to unpack with Newcastle. Um, Newcastle coming off a couple of weird results, uh, FA Cup matches. They're undefeated in six now. That's which, right. Let's not tell our listeners that. Two of those were Rochdale, one was Oxford, but yeah. undefeated in six, nevertheless. Three of the worst performances I've seen. You, uh, the, two of the worst performances I've seen. The four-one win against Rochdale was okay. The yeah, two, the, I, the, the Oxford game was horrendous. Yeah. Um, so let's. I mean, let's start with that. That's actually something I, I do want to unpack. Is why were we so bad at home against a third division side? We didn't take our chances. Okay. We have a flop of a 40 million striker. Okay. Um, Alan St. Maximin isn't fit. Bentaleb doesn't know the system and came in. We'll talk about him more in a minute as our new signing. Um, and that's kind of it in a nutshell for me. Defense did okay again. Could have lost late on. Darlow was in goal. We rested Dubrovka for that game. I just I just think we, we didn't take our chances, and that's what happens. It's the magic of the FA Cup, right? Anything can happen against those lower leagues. So, so I think those are all good points, but I think that's kind of, you know, that's just scratching at the surface of what I think is the bigger issue there. What I think is the bigger issue, um, and this, this harkens back to our loss earlier in the season away at Norwich. And what, what I think this is, is that Newcastle under Steve Bruce does not know how to play against a team where Newcastle is controlling possession, Newcastle is controlling the game. I think that Steve Bruce only knows how to def- play defensive, counterattacking football, and I think the Oxford game is evidence of his inability as a manager to come up with the other game plan of okay, you know, instead of the thirty-five percent possession that we typically have, we're going to probably have closer to fifty or sixty percent percent possession in this match. And this game was really disappointing for me because this is a game Newcastle should walk. Like, there's no excuse to not beat Oxford at home. And I just, it it does concern me that there doesn't seem to be that ability to change up the game plan 
um, in one of the few matches where we're expected to win. Yeah, it's funny. I got a text from my brother-in-law, Steve, um, and he's a big Gillingham fan. Gillingham, who play in the same league in League One as Oxford, and he sent me a screenshot of earlier on the season when they drew 1-1 against, at home against Oxford, and he said, at least we managed to score against yeah, them at home. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> argue against that. I mean, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, and it's kind of just like... Yeah, I would hate to be a fan who went to that match and walk mm-hmm. away and think we can't even beat Oxford. So I'd say give them their tickets for free, but most of them are already free. That's true. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's classic Newcastle right now. There's no talk about a team with very little identity. Newcastle is right up there in the conversation for gold medalists. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, some interesting signings recently um, for Newcastle. We talked about Danny Rose already, and then two signings: Bentaleb, who I mentioned, who started against Oxford. He's a midfielder. And then Valentino Lazara, who came from Inter as well. Pretty excited about that one. Yeah, so uh, all three of these, Rose, Lazaro, and Bentaleb, all loans. Um, so you, you can actually, you're, there, there's a, interestingly enough, uh, you're limited to two loans, domestic loans within the Premier League, but then you can have however many international loans you want. So mm-hmm. Bentaleb coming from Schalke in the Bundesliga, and as Adam mentioned, Lazaro coming from Inter in Serie A. Uh, yeah, I think that Lazaro was bought. He, he's on paper, he's a winger, but he has. I've I've spoken with a number of Inter fans, and they've said he, he has had stretches as a a wing back, that kind mm-hmm. of you know attacking defenseman. That's where the question lies for him is the defensive capabilities. But I think that hopefully so. It was made very clear to him that he is going to be playing a more wing-back role than as a winger for Newcastle. I kind of hope it's the opposite. I hope he plays a little bit further forward. Looks like but, the, but, but then we still have issues at fullback. Like yeah. if we're play, Because if we're playing three center backs, which we've done for the better part of the last three yeah. months, who is going to play right I see your right, point. Right back. It's I see not, your point. It's not going to be. It's not going to be Yedlin. I just hope that we play him in a similar way to how we've deployed Matt Ritchie in the past when we played him as a yeah. Player. Oh, I, push him further forward when we get the opportunity. I think we'll push forward, but I think that his defensive capabilities need to improve from what I've heard he had at Inter and why he wasn't really getting a lot of time at Inter. Should be really interesting to see. We've yeah, got two and, great players in Mr. Saint Maximin and Lazaro with some fantastic hair as well. Yeah, so, that's true. Great hair at Newcastle, just like yourself, Zach. I appreciate that. Uh, Bentaleb's also, I, I like that signing. I mean, we've had injuries in center of midfield. I read today that Shelby might be out until March. That's yeah. a new concern. Uh, and I think that the big, and we've talked about this a bit in the past, I, I'd say by far for me the biggest disappointment at Newcastle this year has been Sean Longstaff's regression 100%. from his performances last year. So. Bentaleb is in there to provide competition. He has Premier League experience from his time at Spurs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a prove-yourself type moment for him because Bentaleb was actually exiled from practice while he was at Schalke. He was mm-hmm. disconnected from the first team entirely. So this is a kind of a big opportunity for him to show that you know he's worth attention. Yeah, an ex-Spurs player as well. Did you know that his only goal for Spurs was, was against Newcastle? Newcastle? Really? Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. I did not know that. There you go. I'm full of stats today. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on, and it probably won't be a quick thing before we move on from Newcastle, is the takeover rumors. Absolutely. Um, there are rumors that we have a Saudi Arabian questionable moral. Um, I'd say questionable is <laughs> wildly <laughs> understanding that. <laughs> we'll get too down that rabbit hole. Um, but purchaser of Newcastle that's said to be in and past the due diligence stage. Um, what's your take on the proposed takeover deal right now? I hope it doesn't happen. Why do you hope it doesn't happen? Because of the the history of the the Saudi prince. Uh, So for people that don't know, the the man who is being heavily connected as the main financier for this move, because it is a consortium of a number of different people, Amanda Staveley, who was involved in 
quote unquote advanced transfer or takeover talks about a year ago, also in this group as well as as some other uh, kind of more wealthy people in the UK. But the the main money would be coming from the the Saudi royal family, and as many Americans know, or people who have followed international news and politics in the last year, uh, the the Saudi prince, a man who seemingly was was guilty of calling for the assassination of uh, journalist Jamal Khashoggi uh, about, I guess it was about a year ago now, um, who is a journalist working for the Washington Post and was covering the human rights abuses of the Saudi government, of which there seem to be many. So for me, it's, it's, it's tough to say this because, you know, every day you hope that Mike Ashley will sell the club, but I don't know. I, I stand on what might be some sort of moral high ground, but I don't see myself being able to really with a with a kind of with an, a clear mind support a club that's now being run by a, a government and a man who has you know is, is committing these atrocities across the world yeah i can see your point it's kind of better the devil you know than the devil you don't right mm-hmm. um from mike ashley's standpoint at least uh i'd never be sad that the club got sold from mike ashley sure um would i rather there be a different owner potentially sure um, am I happy that there might be investment there? Yes, I am. So it's I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm a little torn on it, to be, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's there's, fair. There's money there, and that's what I'd want, right? I'm 37 years old. I'm not going to be around forever. I want to see my club get moved forward. And um, if there's investment that comes along with that, you know, hopefully this guy turns over a new leaf and, and is, a, is a much better human being after, after he purchases Newcastle. Remains to be seen. I guess we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, and let's be honest. This could be another smokescreen again because it's the January transfer window. Yeah. We've had three loan signings. That's that's the thing is I, I don't buy it. How much do you actually believe that it's going to happen? I Yeah, I, I really don't. I don't know. I don't believe anything until I see it at yeah. Newcastle. There's no reason to, to believe anything until you see it. Until we see Ashley walking out the door, to your point. It's, it's all smoke screens. So. It's all smoke and mirrors. So we'll see what happens at Newcastle. It could be an interesting next uh, couple of months, obviously. I'm not expecting the, the transfer or the uh, rather takeover to, to happen any day now. As yep. It doesn't seem like that would be the case. But uh, yeah, it's an exciting time on Tyneside, or at least it seems so until the January will end and the transfer or uh, the takeover talks will end as well. <laughs> it's quite possible. All right, on to 15th, Brighton. Tell me how you think they're doing right now, Zach. Uh, they're they're doing all right. I mean, they're you know like it's it's two points from twelve in their last uh, four matches, so they're you know not playing particularly well. But they, um, I don't know, they. It's one of those cases where they're not a very good team, but I think they're not one of the worst three teams in the Premier League. I would uh, say that's fairly, fairly accurate. But they could be. I don't know. I, I don't really have too much of an opinion about Brighton. Yeah, some some relegation six pointer fixtures up for them next. They got West Ham. Um, away and then they're home to Watford. So those should really kind of dictate how they um, see the rest of the season out. I think if they can take four from six, they'll be pretty happy. Yeah, I think they are. They will be all right. Uh, so on from Brighton, 15th to Villa in 16th. Uh, it was a, a big, big win for Villa in their last match. And the goal coming from Conta in the 94th minute. So a winner. And this was after they went down. So a lot of grit from Villa to come back from a 1-0 deficit. Yep, came from behind. Good, good, good result for Villa. And they're playing pretty well right now. So they've taken four points from six since they were humiliated at home. 6-1 against City, who were on fire that day. Um, one guy I want to um, talk about here, he actually played, um, didn't score, but he played yesterday in their League Cup victory against Leicester. Uh, is, I'm going to butcher this name, Mabwana Samata. 
Um, signed from Villa from Genk. Uh, he's 27 years old, has a really good goal-scoring record, 116 goals in his club career and 229 appearances. That's greater than 50% uh, in terms of his goals-to-game ratio. Um, he signed for $8.5 million, and here's a stat for you. He's the first Tanzanian to play in the Premier League. Act. That's a cool one. I yeah. like that. Probably the only famous Tanzanian in history. Ooh. At least Maybe. From, at least from football. I, I can't, yeah, I can't really provide you with any other famed Tanzanian footballers. No so. Tanzanian facts? You better hope I'm not going to talk about that in 10 and 9. I have no doubt that you will talk about that during <laughs> 10 and 9 day. Uh, but yeah, Villa, you know, outside the relegation zone right now, for how long, we don't know. They could certainly be, be uh, heavily, heavily involved in what will be a tense last few weeks of the season. Okay, let's move on to 17th. West Ham sitting right outside the relegation zone right now. Four points from 18 since David Moyes took charge of this team. Is he making a difference for them? Obviously not from a point standpoint, but at least in the football that they're playing. Or do you think they should have stuck with Manuel Pellegrini with the hindsight of these 18 points available? I don't think they should have stuck with Pellegrini. I think that they definitely needed to shake up the team by getting a new manager. But I think that... You know, when you get a new manager at that point, you're, you're hoping that the players react to it. And I think that is the issue, is that the players have not reacted to it at right. all. Players look completely complacent for for West Ham, very uninspired on the pitch at the moment. And I think that that is the much, much bigger problem in London, is they just don't seem to care that much. No, I'm going to make a prediction here. I think West Ham go down this season. Yeah, I could see that happening. They've been awful. I mean, yeah. and again, it's... A, a, a team with less quality and more motivation, I think, will typically finish ahead of a team with more quality and less motivation. Yeah, I, I think I don't think West Ham also will do a Watford and that they'll change a second manager this season. No, so that should be uh, I think Moyes to the end of the season, and that's why I think they're they're too, they're too big to market to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas Watford is you know plays in a much smaller city mm-hmm. uh, and can kind of do that under the radar. But that's absolutely true. Yeah, I'd be I'd be fearful if I was a West Ham fan. Yep. Uh, moving up a place from 19th to 18th is Bournemouth. Uh, huge win for Eddie Howe. Uh, massive win for them, especially after their, their defeat at Norwich. Great to see them um, win 4-1 in their last game against Brighton. We saw um, Callum Wilson back on the score sheet. We saw Harry Wilson, all the Wilsons scoring goals. Uh, and then they got Villa, Sheffield United, and Burnley up next. So really, really important run of fixtures for them in the next few games. Yeah, they need to be looking for six points from those three matches. Uh, I'd say Bill, Villa and Burnley would be the matches that they should be going for. I, I don't know if they're going to necessarily get six points. I don't think they will. I think they'll probably at best get four. But I, I'd, I'd say if you're if you're Eddie Howe, you need to be making this team think that they can get out of the relegation zone because he has done an awful job this season so far. And it really, like on every goal that they scored in that win against Brighton, they showed him on the the on the sideline. Uh, and it was just looks of relief more than yeah. like joy. It was just like, Goodness gracious, we need to win this game, or my head might be on the chopping block. First, I think it's already on the chopping block, but I think that he, they needed that one. You're absolutely right. So on, on to 19th, second from bottom, Watford. Um, last game, um, we mentioned that they uh, they obviously lost against Villa, but Troy Deeney scored the opening goal in that game. He's a Birmingham City fan. He enjoyed that one a lot. Uh, and has scored four and five in the league since uh, since Nigel Pearson took over. Great to see him back amongst the goals and, and playing well again. Cause I've always been a Dini fan. He's a very likable player. Uh, ever ever since the uh, 
the championship playoff semifinal goal he scored against Leicester. Yeah. That's you remember that one yeah. on the on the counterattack? One of the greatest yeah. one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in English football. So yeah. uh yeah, he's been playing well in Pearson. I mean we've continued to kind of give him praises which is odd because they're still in nineteenth, but it's fourteen from twenty four since he joined uh and uh, I mean it's a wild improvement over the, the the two managers that preceded him uh, for Watford earlier this season. Yeah, that's that. 14 from 24 after going 9 from 48. Um, there you go. Just incredible. Yeah. Just, just incredible. He's so. three times as good as the other two managers. Combined. There it is. Uh, all right. Propping up the table. Not a lot to say about Norwich City right now. Um, they had a good win against Bournemouth um, in their second-to-last game and then played pretty well, scored a penalty with Pookie against Spurs, lost that one 2-1. Um, they're playing Newcastle away up next. Um, they beat us 3-1 in that uh, opposing fixture. And as you know, they're my dad's team. So I'm looking forward to this return game. Um, hope that Newcastle can take three points for them. And Buendia and Cantwell have been great players for them this season. They've got some minor injuries. So we'll see if they play. Anything else to say about Narv, Zach? No. Bottom dwellers. Bottom dwellers and have been for a large part of this season. Yeah. So yeah, that wraps up the Premier League bottom half of the table. We're going to take another quick break for advertisements and plugs. And then we will come back to hit you up with our predictions and our other little special sections this week. So be back in a moment. All right, we're back on the False Nines. We're going into our Match Day 25 fixtures and predictions. But before we do, a little bit of a recap on our last set of predictions. Wasn't good for either of us, Zach. We tied 3-3 and predicted zero correct games. It's poor. That might be my first week doing that. Yeah, it's actually the first week we did it, neither of us predicted any games. Oh, really? either, but we've okay. been pretty good since then. So 3-3 this week. Um, current score is still Zach up by three, twenty-five to twenty-two. So I've had, I've been I've, I've had that lead for a while. I want to grow that lead this week, though. I don't want you to grow that lead, Zach. Okay. okay. I don't want that hard. Um, okay. Saturday games. First early game here is good. Marquee. Lesser third against Chelsea. Fourth home team. Lesser. How do you see this one ending up? Um, this is tough. Lesser again has not played fantastic recently against better opposition. I think they get a win here, though. I think a big win, two one for Lester. Vardy is back, and the the place the King Power Stadium will be rocking for yeah. this match. Good point. To, to your point, um, I was a little bit torn on this one too. Mm-hmm. I went with a one one draw here. Sure. Um, I could see Chelsea picking up a point there. Chelsea rarely keep clean sheets, um, but they also are rarely kept off the score sheet. So I'm going to go for the uh, the one one draw. I like that. So the next match, we have Bournemouth in 18th, hosting Villa in 16th, a six-pointer. Where does this end, Adam? Uh, I'm going to go for, uh, off the back of that last win, another home win for Bournemouth. 2-1 to Bournemouth for this one. Okay, I'll go 1-0 Bournemouth. I like that, though. I think that Bournemouth is able to keep the momentum going. The good times rolling, and how keeps his job for another week. You think that Bournemouth will keep a clean sheet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? That's I, don't, I don't know. They'll they'll triple team to go use American terminology. <laughs> Jack Grealish, you know, no one else. Wanda Samata is yeah. going to get on the score Ooh, sheet. Dude, yeah, keep an eye for him. I have no idea what he's going to provide. Um, Tanzanian Flair is what he'll provide. I love it. Uh, so Crystal Palace, 11th hosting Sheffield United in 8th. Uh, don't see a high-scoring affair here, Adam. I have 1-0 Sheffield. Uh, actually, I'm going for a Crystal Palace win here. I think they need to improve. Um, I have a 1-0 win as well for them, so I just see it the opposite way around here. Mm. Um, Sheffield United haven't scored a lot of goals recently, so I think Crystal Palace will, after that 2-0 loss to Southampton, have their uh, have their revenge hat on in this picture. I want to put my insurance money on a 0-0 draw, because neither of these teams score a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, on to the next one. We have Liverpool 
at home against Southampton. Now, a couple weeks ago, we might have said this would be a simple win for Liverpool, but Southampton are playing well right now, as we said. Fifth in the league on away form. How do you see this one ending up? Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. That makes me slightly reconsider, but I'll still go two nil Liverpool. Uh, even the best away teams are not as good as Liverpool. Yeah, I think that it's, it's tough to predict anything other than the Liverpool win right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Danny Ings will get in the score sheet again. He, he, he has just, to. He <laughs> does, <doesn't> he? <laughs> that's uh, fair. So we're going to go three one Liverpool for me. Okay, I like that. Uh, all right, big match for us this weekend: Newcastle in fourteenth hosting Norwich in twentieth. Adam, how do you have this ending? I think we'll see a 2-1 win for Newcastle here. I think we need some revenge. Norwich are not great defensively with potentially Buendia and Cantwell out, although we have our fair share of injuries too, and some new players playing for Newcastle and uh, in the loan signings that we mentioned previously. 2-1 Newcastle. Okay. Yeah, I made my prediction before I saw those injuries for for Norwich. So I originally said nil-nil, um, and okay. it goes back to what I said with Newcastle not being able to figure out a alter, alternative game plan when they're playing a team that they should be uh, kind of controlling the game against. Uh, I guess I'll go one nil Newcastle here. Be a bit okay. more positive this week. To be fair, Norwich play possession football, so that's they something they're they're known for. They're just not known for a great defense. Yeah, or, or a great goalkeeper. We'll see. This will probably be one of the least watched games this weekend for just general viewership. But that's a fair statement. We will be some of those viewers. And so for another match that might not be terribly highly watched, we have Watford hosting Everton. I have two one Everton here. I think that they they kind of keep slowly climbing up that table. Yeah, Everton doing well. Um, Watford have been through good form recently as well. So I'm going for a 2-2 draw here, um, same as Everton had last time against the <laughs> Does Everton blow another 2-0 lead? He's only got little arms. Yeah, he only has tiny little arms. Um, okay, so to correct myself, this is the match that will be least watched this weekend. <laughs> we have 17th place West Ham hosting 15th place Brighton. Um, I'm going to go 1-1 on this one. I think both of these teams are their own worst enemy. Yeah, uh, I, I could see that totally happening. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Brighton win, though. Because you, you want to see West Ham slip into the relegation zone. Part of me does. Oh, yeah. I have no yeah. It would be interesting. It would make things funny to watch. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. And the last game, the late game this weekend on Saturday, is Man U at home to Wolves. Fifth place, seventh. Going to be a good one, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a 2-0 win for Man United in this one. And I have a 2-1 win for Wolves in this. I think Ooh. that uh, Man United has shown that they are certainly not invincible at home. And I think Wolves Wolves performed well after their last heartbreaking loss to Liverpool. So I think they do the same here. Yeah, Man U will have something to prove. You're right, after that 2-0 loss to Burnley. So hopefully they can pull this one out. A um, couple games on Sunday, um, just the two. Um, Burnley are home in the early game against Arsenal. 13th place, 10th. How do you see this one coming out? Hmm. Yeah, this one was a tough one for me. I, turf more, Burnley can be really good at home, uh, but I think Arsenal can scrape a win here. I'm going to go 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil win for Arsenal. 1-0 yeah. to the Arsenal, as they say. That is. Uh, I am going for a 2-1 Arsenal win as well. It'll be okay. 11 in a row if they can manage it. Yeah, keep the streaks going. Last match, we have another quite quite exciting one. We have Spurs hosting Manchester City. Obviously, it would be far more exciting if Spurs was at full health. You'd expect that their two new signings probably won't get on the pitch here, or if so, will come on for some substitute minutes. I have 3-0 City. I think that City is just cooking at the moment, and, and Spurs, you know, have looked like they're on the back of their heels. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty in line with you there. I said 3-1 City. Okay. Um, even though it's at Spurs. Who gets the goal for Spurs? For Spurs? Mm. 
toughest. As we've right said, two now. of their two of two and four for their since they lost Harry Kane. So I think the player probably in the best form for them since Mourinho came in has been Deli Ali. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Well, those are our predictions for the weekend. We will see where we both stand in our next episode. All right, we'll have a quick recap now of our top scoring charts in the Premier League. Uh, Jamie Vardy hasn't scored in a while, Zach. He's still on 17. I tell you, a man who can't stop scoring right now, one behind him on 16 is Sergio Aguero. Uh, then rounding out the, the kind of top three, if you will, uh, three players apiece on 14. Ings, Rashford, and Aubameyang. Aubameyang, who's out suspended right now. Ings, who's in fine form. Rashford with an injury. Do you see Aguero potentially overtaking Vardy anytime soon? It could absolutely happen. Like you said, Jamie Vardy has not scored. I do have him marked to score this weekend. Uh, but yeah, Aguero, you know, has already this season kind of re-cemented his legacy as the best foreign striker in Premier League history. Uh, I think it would be awesome to see him be the top scorer this year. Yep, and for those that listen to the pod regularly, 17 for Vardy, 24 for Newcastle right now. So we've got a comfortable 7. Oh, we're running away with it. We are. Vardy's letting it slip. Great form for Newcastle. (laughs) Uh, All right, so on to our next section. One of my favorites uh, of the pod is your microphone moment. Again, if you're interested in sending us any of your questions, please do so by email to the false nines podcast at gmail.com that's the false number nine s podcast at gmail.com we'll start with a question from my dad who went home back to wales today very sad to, to see him head home um chris in wales who will the next manager sack in the premier league yeah that, that's a tough one um it kind of seemed like you know sack season happened and has gone but i'm gonna say who is the manager for Who's the manager? Who's the manager at Norwich? Daniel Fark. Yeah, get Fark out of here. I think they've been the Fark. Get get Fark out of here. They've been awful. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's okay. all I have to say. Also, it was it was your father's question. I know that he's a Norwich supporter. Yeah, that's yeah. Fair. I'd say that Daniel Fark is probably gone before the end of the season. If I can see anybody going before the end of the season, it's probably still Eddie Howe. Yeah, you thought think so? I was gonna say who who manages uh, Villa? Uh, Dean Smith. Yeah, maybe him as well. They've been meh. But you can't expect that much more. I don't know. Nor- Norwich are very, they're very bad. He's Villa born and bred, so maybe he gets a little bit of that's fair. So, there. Same, same with Eddie Howe. Maybe not born and bred, but sure. he's a Villa man. Or he's a Bournemouth man through and through. Good question there, Mr. Goffin. We'll go on to another, is it last name Goffin? No, no Mr. Okay. Perk. Steve Perk. Okay. Oh, so another person that you're related to for a second question. And they're always good for questions. Uh, Steve asks, should the FA Cup move to a single tie event played over 90 minutes and then a shootout with no extra time, with the lower-placed side in the tie having the option to play home or away? What do you mm-hmm. think here, Adam? I like the idea of the FA Cup moving to a single fixture over 90 minutes and then a shootout with no extra time. I don't like that the lower-placed team gets the option to play home or away because I kind of think it takes away from the beauty of the FA Cup, right? Think about Shrewsbury welcoming Liverpool to town. Great, great to have them in their home stadium, but what a day out for the fans to be able to go to Anfield in that return game in that majestic stadium and see Liverpool play in their, in their home stadium. Yeah, I that was exactly what I was going to say. I think that it should be moved to a single tie. I agree. Um, I think the lower place side should host. I think that should always be the case. They should always host that match because yep. that's what makes it wonderful, I think. I think what makes the FA Cup magical is less so Shrewsbury going to 
Liverpool, but more so as a Shrewsbury fan seeing Liverpool play. Yeah, uh, in your you know tiny tiny stadium. So yeah. yeah, I don't think you should have a choice, but I do like the idea of making it one match. Yeah, I think that's, that's that leads really well into our next question, also about the FA Cup, as it was FA Cup weekend last weekend. Richard England asks, um, with managers complaining of fixture congestion and wanting to do away with FA Cup replays, to Steve's point, um, and they've and. Uh, rich put here which provide much needed income to smaller clubs amen is this just a case of managers and players being prima donnas hmm. and if managers know that they're going to be competing on many fronts then shouldn't they have bigger squads and balance their players and rotate better that's a tough one i i don't know well in order for them to have bigger squads that would have to be a full fa you know changing of, of rules there so uh are they being prima donnas I do, I, I do see where Rich is coming from, where it's like the FA Cup is this storied tradition, and it's tough to see teams just like openly and explicitly say that they don't care about it. Mm-hmm. That being said, I just said in the last question, I do think they should move to single ties, so I don't know. I, I, I think that it's like managers and players have a case to say, okay, you know, like why do we have to put... Why can't it just be done after one fixture? Why does it have to be a replay? So yep. the, the income thing is something that I would have to dig a bit more into to answer. Yeah, I think, I think this question kind of is founded on the fact that, you know, there's a two-week break coming up for the Premier League. Um, it's, you know, after the hectic fixture congestion over the holidays, I think it's warranted. But now a lot of those teams, Klopp was complaining about it. Steve Bruce was complaining about it. The fact that they actually have to accommodate this FA Cup replay now in that two weeks which actually means that they don't have the full fortnight to, to take the time off the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a tough one. But yeah, I do think that they should condense the FA Cup a bit better. Yeah. All right, so final question. Uh, we alluded to at the beginning of the pod. Um, it's from Patrick in Denver, um, buddy of mine. What legacy will Kobe Bryant leave on the sport of soccer in particular? Yeah, so definitely... Uh, you know, a tough question to answer, especially just tough to, to think that we're asking about Kobe Bryant's legacy uh, posthumously. Um, but Kobe Bryant, as you know, some people might not know, actually born in Italy uh, and an AC Milan fan. Uh, so I, I just think that, you know, when you're at the level of fame and success and respect that Kobe Bryant was, you have a legacy over the, the entire sporting world. And so I, I know that a lot of, you know, you had a lot of football footballers who after what happened on Sunday, uh, they, you know, came out and trained in his jersey or they did a little tribute of their own. So mm-hmm. it does speak to, you know, that that legacy that he has left all over the world. You see Christian Eriksen actually um, when he signed for Inter to the number 24 jersey? I did see that, yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I, I don't think we've talked about this too much with the Kobe thing, but... Um, uh, if you know this, also, I worked at a luxury hotel in San Diego before I moved to Denver, and Kobe Bryant actually stayed at the hotel a few times. I was lucky enough to check him into his villa a few times, spend some time chatting to him a little bit. Huge fan. We actually got a welcome amenity for him. Um, he's a big Barcelona fan, too, and specifically Leo Messi watches a lot of Champions League. Um, so he loved the welcome amenity of the, the Champions League soccer ball when, when we gave it to him. I And I can't say enough good things about him. Um, just a really humble... Uh, nice man he was there with with his wife only on that trip didn't have the kids with him so just a a really kind-hearted friendly gentleman who I'm I'm very very pleased to have got the opportunity to meet Um, and uh, such a tragedy I I really really hope that um, the legacy that he leaves behind is one that will continue to drive generations of potential you know sports sports one sports athletes uh, in in the future a lot of kids 
that was saying it's picked up a basketball because of Kobe, and I hope hope a lot of the messages that he leaves behind will will transcend basketball into other sports as well. Yeah, it was well, very well put, Adam. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to a legend. Good question there, Patrick. Uh, and that wraps up your microphone moment. So we'll, we'll run into the last few sections here. Uh, Gonna bring back Zach's open mic, you know, back by popular demand. Uh, we've gotten a lot, uh, hundreds of emails of people saying, you know, this is really my favorite section on the podcast. This is why I, I list, listen on a bi-weekly basis uh, <laughs> to you goons talk about the sport. So for my open mic this week, we're going to go back to haikus, the, the form of poetry that I know and love the most. Uh, and I'm going to do a Newcastle theme to haiku this Ooh, I'm week. Excited. Yeah, so as you should know to listeners, haikus three lines five syllables seven syllables five syllables Mm -hmm. off i go zach's open mic newcastle edition the top thing i hate newcastle takeover talk drags on and on and no, no, on because that'd be a sex syllable. Oh, got it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> there's no ellipses. There's an ellipses that you can't hear. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. I really do not like Newcastle takeover talk. Yeah, I think we're all frustrated with Newcastle takeover talk, especially because it only ever happens in January. Yes, exactly. And so, a perfect transition into armchair pundits. I'll lead this one. My armchair punditry. Just a reminder: armchair pundits is a section where Adam and I give a bit of a hot take opinion. I don't think Newcastle will be sold because. We have seen this song and dance <laughs> so many times. Ever? Maybe. I don't know. Honestly, who knows? As long as there's a profit, I don't know if Mike Ashley sells that club. Because why would he? Why would he? He gets all the slack in the world. People hate him and he keeps making money. Why would he sell Newcastle? I don't have an objection. That's it? I, I hate that take. Yeah. I don't disagree with it. I just like, if, if nothing is changing and he keeps making money, then like, why would he sell? That's yeah. it? That's all I got? All right. Well, then I will go to my armchair pundit's prediction. It's to do with the bottom half of the table as well. Okay. Uh, 40 points won't be enough to secure safety in the Premier League this season. Oh, interesting. So the opposite of what we've seen recently where less points Mm -hmm. is is good enough to secure safety. Yep. I'll give you my take. Fifth place is currently on 34 points. Um, That's Man U. 19th place is on 23 points. So only 11 points um, separating 5th and 19th currently. There's a host of clubs in and around the relegation zone. Um, 19th and 18th are both on 23. Then we have Villa and Brighton above them. Um, and West Ham as well on 25 points as well. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a gap between them and, and 14th, which is Newcastle on 30 points. So really competitive. Brighton and Bournemouth have been plummeting. Southampton and Watford are on the rise. I think you're probably going to need about 42 points to survive this year, which would mean that Newcastle need four more wins. Oh, okay. What do you think? I like that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, can't argue with data. Yeah, I like the stats, my friend. That's You do like the stats. All right, great. Uh, so 10 and 90, really the, the foundational piece of this podcast. Uh, Adam, do you want to go first or second this week? I'll go first. Um, uh, it's actually a little bit of statistics on a Newcastle signing, a lonely signing, who you surprised me already with a little bit of your knowledge on. It's Valentino Lazaro. Okay. All right. Five questions for you. Ready? I like this. What nationality is Lazaro? Uh, Austrian. He's the first Austrian player to ever to play for Newcastle. There you go. You're correct. How old is Lazaro? Oh, I should know this. Uh, 24? He's 23. 23? Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Lazaro has made 152 club appearances to date in his career. How many goals has he scored? 
152. Say he scored. He's not scored 152 goals. No, no, no. You said that's you said that's the amount of caps he's gotten. <laughs> Cheeky. That's the amount of appearances. Yes. 152. He has scored 26 goals. He scored 16 goals. That's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's uh, to date in his career has 28 international caps for Austria. How many goals has he scored for Austria? Um, 28? Yes. He has not scored a goal for Austria. He has scored three goals for Oh, Austria. okay. All right, all right. <laughs> and final question. Uh, I read a lot of facts about him. One of these ones that really interested me, though. Uh, it's interesting because you've already talked about where he plays specifically, so you might have a good idea on this. His playing style is said to be most similar to a current Chelsea player. Which player would you think that is? What does that have to do with the fact that he's played at Inter? A current, his playing style... Most similar to a current Chelsea player? Yes. Nothing to do with Inter. Oh. I'm confused why you said me knowing where he played before. Where he played position-wise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Marcus Alonso? No. Cesar Espelicueta? William. William? Yeah. Okay. He's often compared to Sam style players, William. Okay. Yeah, I guess William does drop back a little bit. So. Yeah. And if he's that good, we'll be very happy I'll with take that. that. Yeah, William's sure. having a really nice re-emerging season. He is. Uh, okay, last question for you. Bonus question, as always. Of course. Um, I want you to say this Welsh word for our listeners. I'm Thank you to my mother to. for this as well. Oh, okay. S G. She's not even Welsh. I know, but she speaks more Welsh than I do. Right. S-G-L-O-D-I-O-N. Give me that visually. Uh, S G L O D I O N. Sklodion. It's close. It's really? Sklodion. Oh, that's really close. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. All right. Do you know what it means? Uh, it means potato. That's amazing. What does it mean? It literally means French fries or chips. No way. Yes. That's incredible. That might be your best ever showing on a Welsh word. That's remarkable <laughs> that I said that. Oh my goodness. Well done. Wow. All right. I, I can't compete with that. You did pretty well in 1090 as well. That's insane. Um, I'm shaking. Uh, <laughs> am I quietly learning Welsh? You no, might I don't be want to. Slowly absorbing the yeah, language into you. Exactly. Uh, all right. 10 and 90. So uh, no real theme here. Uh, but we'll start with Newcastle. Uh, question number one What celebrity would you most want to see by Newcastle? Jimmy Nail. Jimmy Nail? Jimmy Nail is an artist and he's from Newcastle, big Newcastle fan. Okay. Does he have the money to buy Newcastle? Not at all. He's terrible. Okay. Uh, he has a really good song called Crocodile Shoes, though, for our Brits out there. Crocodile Shoes. Crocodile Shoes. On to question two yeah. uh, What celebrity would you least want to see own Newcastle? Hmm. Uh, let's go with Donald Trump. That's a good one. Yeah. I yeah, I like that. Uh, question number three. If we got bought by the Saudi royal family, who from what we've read has an amount of money that, you know, makes Manchester City seem like a, a team rubbing two pennies together, mm-hmm. how many years until Newcastle wins the league? The league or a trophy? Uh, the league. The league. Five plus. Five. Five. Well, yeah, give me six. Give me five. Okay, five. All right. right. I like that. Um, Question number four. Who do you think is the best manager in the bottom half of the table? Carlo Ancelotti. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I forgot that Everton (laughs) was in the bottom half. That's not a great question. I didn't even (laughs) think Everton was in the bottom half of the table. uh, It would have been interesting if Everton wasn't in the bottom half. But, yeah. Outside of of that? Yeah. 
Who do you think is the best non-Champions League winning manager in the bottom half of the table? I'd probably say either Roy Hodgson or okay. right now on forum, Nigel Pearson. Okay. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Question number five. You can't look at the table. Don't look at the oh, table. Oh, sorry. I am looking at the table. Uh, question number five. What team outside the bottom three has collected the least amount of points in their last five matches? The last five? Outside the bottom three. Outside the bottom three. Are you going to go Brighton or West Ham? Neither are correct. Is that right? Crystal Palace has collected four points in five. By they lost their last match and drew all four of the interesting before before that. Yeah, maybe they will plummet down the table this season as well. They are not very good. Uh, okay, and I came with a bonus question today. Ooh. Question number six. I'm nervous. Um, who would you less want to see beat Wales in a World Cup final? England or the United States of America? It's funny. I actually support England because my dad is English and I grew up watching the English game. So I I wouldn't like to see England beat Wales. Uh, I'd go for the US though. You'd be more upset to see the US beat Wales. Yeah, the because they're terrible. England at least have a good team. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. And Pulisic is out injured, so that's the only decent player you've got. That is a fact. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps up our episode for this week. Um, again, if you have any questions that you want to hear addressed on the next episode in two weeks' time, feel free to shoot us an email at thefalse9spodcast at gmail.com. That's thefalse9s podcast at gmail.com anything for you to plug before we go adam uh no plugs for me other than thank you again to our friend freddie i do for the shout out um this past week we're really good friends of the pod uh we appreciate it freddie uh shout out to you my friend yeah all right freddie adam footsie